book of Acts, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, the beginning of the chapter, deals with the conversion of the apostle Paul. He was Saul. He was Saul the persecutor, and uh, God met him on the Damascus Road and and uh, saved him. He trusted Christ as a savior there, and uh, God used him in a in a wonderful way thereafter. We're gonna we're gonna take a, a a look at that conversion and one particular aspect of it here in just a moment. In the in the uh, uh, in the account, you have you have actually more than one account of the conversion of Paul. One is the actual account of the conversion in Acts 9, and then you've got him retelling that account in Acts chapter 22. And in, in one case, it says, they, they, uh, in, in chapter 9, it says they heard a voice, the people that were around him, that they heard a voice, but they saw no man. And then in Acts chapter 22, verses 6 through 11, you find that, that it says they, they did not hear a voice. And there's, there's people that have looked at that and said, well, whoa, wait a minute, there must be a, there, there's contradiction, there's something wrong here in the Bible. But that's not the case at all. If you'll take, and we're not going to do that this morning, but if you'll take a look at and compare uh, chapter 9 and verse 7 and see when it was they heard a voice, and then you uh, look at Acts chapter 22, verses 6 through 11, when they didn't hear a voice, and what you'll find is that when Christ revealed himself to the Apostle Paul. They did not hear that part of the conversation. That was strictly for Paul and for nobody else. In fact, Paul later on talks about the fact that he was a disciple born out of due season. In other words, God made a spe special intervention for him in order that he might be saved. And... and uh, uh, but, but no one else heard that. Why? Because it wasn't for anybody else. It was only for Saul, who eventually became the Apostle Paul. Uh, you go to, to Acts 22, verses 6 or 11, and you'll find that they didn't hear the first part, but when you look at, at Acts 9, 7, what they did hear was the fact that uh, he was told where to go. So they got the directions but they, but they didn't get the illumination. They didn't get the, the special intervention that, uh, that the Lord gave to the Apostle Paul. So with that in mind, let's all stand together, if you would. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, please allow them to look on with you, if you would. Chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. Verse 1 says, In Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of uh, if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? 
And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, and it's significant that he said this after Jesus identified who he was. He says, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe that was when that was when uh, Paul trusted Christ as Savior. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And, and the, the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice and seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight and neither did eat nor drink. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we pray your blessings upon your word as it goes forth. God, I pray that you would, you would push me off to the side. And may people not see Dave Dunbar, but may they see the Lord Jesus Christ. May they see you in your honor and in your glory. We pray, Father, that you would, you would speak to hearts this morning as only you can do. And uh, we'll be careful to thank you and to praise you for the work that you do in us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, uh, if, if you look in verse, if you look in verse 5... Uh, it says, uh, and he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to, to kick against the pricks. Understand who the Apostle Paul was. He was a nasty man uh, before he got saved. Uh, when he was Saul, uh, he was a persecutor of those that were, were saved. He was a persecutor of Christians. And uh, he hunted them down, and he had them jailed, and he even had some people killed uh, he held the coats of those who, who stoned Stephen. So he was, he was not, he was not, not, not a, 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 nice, a nice man. He was very, 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 very cruel and very, very mean. And God saved him. And God saved him on the Damascus Road. And you see that salvation between 5 and 6. In verse 6 it says, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now he called Jesus Christ Lord. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I believe it was at that moment that he believed on Christ and trusted him as his Savior. But if you'll, if you'll notice something, something happened after his conversion. It didn't happen necessarily before his conversion, but it's talked about after his conversion. He gets saved in verse 6. And it says in verse 7, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. They did not, uh, uh, you know, they, 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 they heard the, the, the directions, but they, they, they uh, uh, did, not, did not see him. And uh, it says in verse 7, uh, verse 8, and, and Saul arose from the earth, and when his, when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him unto Damascus, and he was three days without night, without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. So after his salvation, God caused him to be blind. Now, he'd already trusted Christ as Savior, but he was blinded. Now, why is it that God allowed him to be blind 
for the, for the first three days after he got saved. I don't believe this was a punitive thing. I don't believe it was at all. I believe God was trying to teach him something very, very early in life. One of the things that is distinctive about the life of the Apostle Paul is that he had an understanding of adversity. Uh, in fact, he talked about rejoicing in things that are adverse and, and glorying in his infirmities. I believe one of the reasons why he, he had that attitude is because he learned that very, very early, right after he got saved, when God allowed him to be blind for three days. So I wanted to look at this morning. It's kind of an, an unusual, uh, unusual kind of message, but it's the blessings of blindness. What, what, what blessings did he get by being blind for three days? I think the very first thing that he learned that day was that he had to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, we walk by faith because we trust God, because we, we do what he tells us to do. We don't necessarily see all the things we, that, uh, that we need to see, but we, we believe God and, and we trust him. You know, have you ever thought about this? Why is it those of us that have trusted Christ as Savior, those of us that have come to the point in our life where, where you've realized that you're a sinner and that because of your sins you deserve to die and go to hell, for all eternity, because you've sinned against a holy God. And the only way that you can get your sins forgiven is not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy that he'll save you. And, and you realize that there's nothing you can do, but all you can do is just simply trust what he already did by dying on the cross and dying for your sins. And you trust the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone as Savior. You call out to him just like Paul did. And, and uh, you, you call upon the name of the Lord and you get saved. How is it, though, that we can do that and we can trust him for something as important and as, as precious as our immortal soul, but we struggle with things in day-to-day -day life? Uh, that's, I, I think it's because we, we walk by, by sight sometimes rather than by faith. And, and God will, what God will often do, and I've, I've seen this, he did this with the Apostle Paul for three days. I've seen him do it with me. I've seen him do it with other folks in our congregation, where he will touch something that's precious to you. He'll take away something that you've, that you've leaned upon. I've watched good Christian folks who love the Lord and serving God, and in the middle of serving God, they lose their job. In the middle of serving God, they lose a loved one. I know of a, of a preacher down in Pennsylvania who uh, lost his little girl because he forgot her in the car and the, it was all rolled up. You've, you've heard the, you, the testimony of Chris Starr. Uh, that had to be an absolutely devastating time in his life. But you talk to Chris Starr today and he learned some valuable lessons during that time. And he learned, he learned in some ways to trust God that he had not known previous to that. And uh, God will often take and touch something that's precious in our life and something oftentimes that we, 
not only put our affections in, but sometimes put our, put our, our trust in and depend upon and rely upon and take that away so that we can learn that we can always trust him regardless of what our outward circumstances uh, are. God knows what to touch. And again, you're talking, the apostle, you're talking Saul, Saul of Tarsus at the time. He wasn't the apostle Paul yet, but he was Saul of Tarsus. He was a man of, of great dignity. He was a man of great position. And he walks away from this situation having to depend on somebody else because he's totally blind. He cannot see. And that was a very humbling time for him. Well, he needed that. He needed that. And when those kind of things happen in our life, we need to realize they don't happen because God's being mean to us. They don't happen because it's just an accident or just happenstance. Listen, if you're saved, there are no accidents in your life. They're, 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 all, they're all part of the plan of God. And one of, one of the big things that God does is teach us to walk by faith, not by sight. And it, it humbles us. And it humbled the Apostle Paul. Another, another thing that it did to Paul, look down in verse, verse 8. It says, And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. He couldn't see anyone, so he couldn't look at others. He couldn't look at others. The Bible tells us over in the book of Proverbs, the fear of man bringeth a snare. Uh, sometimes we do what we do because of what we see and reactions of others. He couldn't see any reaction of others because he couldn't see. One, one of the biggest pitfalls oftentimes that we have is, is what others think. And we follow personalities sometimes instead of following Christ. And I, and I realize everybody has a different kind of personality and stronger personalities cause, cause people to be drawn to them. Uh, you know, I, I always enjoy having Brother Gip here as a speaker. He pastored this church for five years. I'm thankful for what he did. He's, he's got a very, very strong personality. He can, uh, you know, you, you can't talk to the guy for, for more, than, more than two minutes, and usually it's not even that long, and he'll, 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 he'll say something humorous. He'll tell you a joke. Every time I call him, within 30 seconds, he's always got something that, uh, that he says that's humorous. Uh, I'm not that way. You may not be that way. Uh, you may have other characteristics that you have. But what, the, what the, the tendency we all have is to follow other folks. And there is a, there is a, a sense in which the Bible says we should follow others. Uh, Paul said, uh, be followers of me even as I also am a follower of Christ. He wasn't telling him to follow his personality. He was telling him to follow his walk as he walked and he lived for Jesus Christ. But we have a, we have a tendency that when our heroes fall, we falter. And that's because we're watching men. We're, we've got our eyes fixed on them. That's a natural thing, but we have to fight it on a continual basis. I was in the ministry for not even six, uh, not even six months. And I found out that, that a person that was uh, used to lead me to Christ had fallen, had fallen into sin, had to leave the ministry. Uh, man, that, that, that hurt. It, it, it went down deep. 
But don't let those kind of failures of others cause you to falter and to fall. Uh, don't, don't, cause, don't let others', others, others failures cause you to lose faith. There, you know, there's, there's, there's some folks that say, well, you know, if, if so-and-so did such and such, or if they treated me a certain way that was wrong, well, then I discount everything that they say and everything that they've ever done. No, truth is truth, regardless. And, and we need to be careful of, of looking at others. Uh, the last person that he saw for three solid days, the very last person he saw was Jesus Christ. Now, that's a good thing. That's what he had fixed in his mind for three solid days. He saw a vision of the Savior. And, uh, uh, you know, we, 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 often, we often wonder, well, I wonder what, what others think. Well, we need to learn that we need to not look to others, but, but ask the question, I wonder what God thinks. I was asked a question this last weekend about a particular decision that someone was about to make and gave, gave some advice along the way. And then I said, uh, let me ask you this question. What does God think? And the person responded and said, you know, I'm going to ask him. <laughs> well, that's a good thing to do. Uh, we ought to be more concerned about what God thinks than what anyone else thinks. And, and he, his sight was taken away from him, so he, he, could, not, he could not look at others. He, couldn't, he could no longer judge others by what he saw either. Not only could he not be, be fearful of others because he couldn't see their faces, but, but uh, he couldn't judge them by what he saw, but he, could, he, he, he simply had to accept them as they were. Another thing that his blindness did is, is blindness taught him how to follow. If you, if you look down, if you look down in verse, uh, verse 8 again, it says, it says, Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Uh, that had to be a humbling thing for him. He never had. I, I don't think Paul, uh, the apostle uh, Paul, well, at that time Saul, uh, ever, ever had anybody lead him by the hand. This is a man who was of great stature and great position. And he had to learn how to follow. He lost his independent spirit. He, he couldn't navigate by what he saw. He had to have others lead him along the way. Uh, he could no longer say, you know, I don't need you. He did need people. And the, and the truth of the matter is, uh, we, we all need one another. Uh, you know, the, the Bible talks about forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is in, in Hebrews 10.25. And, and in that context, it says exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, the, 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 the fact of the matter is, is that we, we desperately need one another. And uh, one, one thing that, that uh, particularly men, and I'm one of them, uh, hate about infirmities and sickness is that it causes us to have to be dependent upon others. Uh, this, this last year, I've had two knees replaced. That means for about six, six or seven weeks, I could not drive. 
you want to drive me nuts? Take my car away from me. Just take my car away. I had to, I had to say, can you take me here? Can you take me there? I, I'd like to go to the store. Do you think we can? Oh, I, I hated that. But you know what the reality is? We do need one another. We need one another all the time. And we don't like to be put in those kind of positions because we, we, we like to be independent. But, but the Bible says that, that, that we have a desperate need of one another. I, I believe that's one of the reasons why it's so important to come to church. Because not only do you need others, but can I tell you something? Others need you. They need you. You have things that you can give to others, and others have things that they can give to you. Keep your finger here and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12 is talking about spiritual gifts and how God has enabled different people that are saved to do different things in the body of Christ. And I believe it has a, a twofold, uh, twofold application. It's not only talking about all saved people, but it's also talking about the church at Corinth and how that God placed certain people in that church so that certain things could get done. And if you look with me down in chapter 12, verses 20 through verses 20 through 26. Verse 20 says, But now are, are they many members, but yet one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, and he likens, likens individual members unto the members of a body, parts of a body. I, uh, I, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of the body, which seem to be more feeble... Are necessary. In other words, the, the least person, you have a need for them, and they have a need for you. Verse 23, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. In other words, we need one another. We, we, have, a, we have a desperate need, and we, we need to learn to depend upon one another. I realize we need to depend first and foremost on the Lord. But, but, but understand that God has placed people in your life for a purpose. And uh, sometimes we have to be humbled so that we can, we can learn what those purposes are. Another reason why he lost his sight was because he lost sight of the world and the things that were in it. He could, not, he could not see the splendors. He could not see the grandeur. Uh, he, again, he was a man of opulence at the time. He was a man of honor. He was a man of dignity. But those things of the world after this, after this happened, the things of the world just didn't impress Paul like they used to. Um, 
Keep your finger here and go to the book of Philippians for just a moment. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and this, this is also the Apostle Paul who, is penned, who, who penned these words by the inspiration of the, of the Spirit of God. But in verses 7 and 8 of Philippians 3, he said, But what things were gained to me before he got saved, those I counted lost for Christ. Those doubtless, uh, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. He says that he counts them but dung that I may win Christ. He said all, all those things that used to glitter and used to get my attention, they just didn't get my attention anymore. And I, I believe part of that was due to, due to his blindness during that time. You know, just... Uh, this last election, there was all kinds of, there's all kinds of talk about uh, the, the idea that there was going to be a big red wave. In fact, I heard a, a couple of guys say, I don't think it's going to be a red wave. I think it's going to be a red tsunami. Well, it ended up being a red mud puddle. <laughs> you know, it really wasn't much of anything. And, and uh, yeah, there were, some, there were some gains made. But those that were putting their hope in that their hopes were dashed. They had a bad day probably the next day. Um, you know, I, I looked at that thing and I realized, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe I put too much, too much focus and too much emphasis on the things of the world than I do on Christ. The truth of the matter is, uh, it's easy to get your sight onto temporal things instead of looking at eternal things. Do you know what? When, when Paul lost his sight, he couldn't see the temporal things. He couldn't see the things of this world. And uh, it, it caused him to lose sight of the world and the things that were in it. Another thing that, that uh, blindness did for him was that uh, his, his handicap was used to drive him to prayer. Look, look back with me in Acts 9. Look down in verse 11. It says, and the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of, of, uh, uh, in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Uh, this, is, this is instructions that's given to someone else. It's given to Ananias. Uh, it says, For behold, he prayeth. Now, that, it's talking about Saul. He's saying, I want, you to, I want you to go to this house because there's a man in there, and he's praying, and his name is Saul. Well, what, what the blindness did is the blindness uh, drove him to prayer. Difficulties do that to us. You know, I, I'd, I'd like to say it, that it, it's different than that, and I'd like to say that, uh, you know, my, my life is always on the pinnacle of, uh, in the top of prayer, but that isn't always the case. But I'll tell you what, when, when, when a difficulty comes, when a tragedy comes, when a when, when something enters into our lives, you know, one of the things it does, it should do anyway, is it should drive us to prayer. And it causes our prayer life to accelerate. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And, and difficulties help us get serious with God. Uh, he needed to see how frail he was. And again, uh, Saul at that time had a, had a pride problem. 
He, was, he thought he was all that in a bag of chips. Uh, you know, he thought he, he thought he was something else. And the truth of the matter was, is he, he needed to get the right perspective of himself. And difficulty does that and drives us to prayer. Um, he needed to see just how easily uh, he could fall and just how easily something like his sight could be taken from him. Uh, the truth of the matter is uh, we are a whole lot more frail than we realize that we are. And uh, God can take anything from you that he wants to in an instant. And again, the, 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 the most famous illustration of that in the Bible is the book of Job. Job, in, in, in a short period of time, lost everything he had. I mean, he lost his, he lost his kids. They all, got, they all got killed. He lost his home. He lost his, uh, all his livelihood, his livestock. Uh, he, he lost his health. His wife uh, said, why don't you curse God and die, and walked away from him. I mean, he lost it all. He lost everything that he had, and he, he lost it in a very short period of time. But, but his response was the right response. He said, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not so sure I'd have that good of an attitude just right smack dab after the, the incident took place. I uh, would hope that God would eventually get my attention on the thing. But he had that right off the bat. He had the right attitude about it. And, and, and he understood that God could take everything that he had or anything that he had at a moment's notice. Um, he learned something uh, real quick. Go with me over to, uh, again, over to the book of Philippians. You were just there a minute ago. Find it again. Philippians chapter 4. And in Philippians 4, look, at, look down in verse 11 through 13. And I believe Paul started to learn this lesson the day he got saved and his sight was taken away. In verse 11, it says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Um, he, he, he understood uh, that uh, if no matter what happened in his life, uh, he, could, he, he could do all things through Christ, which strengthened him. And it drove him to prayer. That's a good thing. Another thing that the blindness did, it gave him spiritual perception that he wouldn't have had otherwise. It says uh, that, it, that his hearing became more sensitive. If you look down in chapter 9, look down in verse 5. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Um, he... Uh, he got some instruction that he, he wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And uh, his hearing became more sensitive. He heard some things from God that other people did not hear. And it gives you insight that you wouldn't otherwise have uh, by going through difficulties and going through problems and going through struggles. Those, those things are not curses. 
they end up being blessings because they teach us to, to, to have some spiritual perception that we wouldn't have otherwise. And then last of all, he, he learned early that infirmities are blessings. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, after he's saved, now he's serving God. And uh, during his service for the Lord, the Lord gives him a vision. And then after the vision, because he knew he was prone to pride, he gives him a thorn in the flesh. And that thorn in the flesh evidently was was pretty painful, whatever it was. It could have been a thing, it could have been a person, it could have been a physical infirmity. There are all kinds of, of uh, ideas about that folks have thrown out there about what it might have been, what that thorn was. But whatever it was, it was not pleasant. And three times he asked God to take it from him. And he didn't get an answer the first time, he didn't get an answer the second time, but the third time, he did get an answer. Verse 8 says, For this thing I sought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. He's, basically what God said is, I'm not going to remove the thorn. I'm not going to remove the infirmity or the difficulty, but I am going to give you the strength, supernatural strength, to get through it. And then notice what he says in the next sentence. He says, most gladly, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I believe he learned real early when, when God took, that, took his sight away from him, he re learned real early that infirmities are really blessings. And that you can learn things that you can't learn otherwise. You can get a hold of the grace of God. And God can be strong on your behalf like he's, he's never been before. Uh, you know, he, he, he saw some things by being blind that he wouldn't have seen otherwise. God allows those same things to happen to us. It may not be blindness. It, it may be a myriad of different things that God allows to come into our lives. But he allows those things in our lives for a reason. Um, you, look at, you, you look at this, when what, what he saw in his, in his own life on that Damascus road, he saw that he was a sinner. He admitted that he was wrong. He uh, was in trouble, and he was in trouble with God, and he knew it. Uh, you know, God told him that he's, he, he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. <laughs> that is not a, a, a good thing to be, to be said of an individual. And, uh, and he realized that, whoa, wait a minute, when I persecuted those Christians, I was, I was after God. I was actually opposed to God. And so he knew he was in trouble. And then thirdly, he realized that Jesus was alive and that he was Lord and that he needed to trust him, and he did. He, he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And I believe it was at that moment that he personally put his faith and personally put his trust in Jesus Christ as a Savior. If, if you're here this morning, if you do not know for sure that if you were to die that you'd go to heaven, if you're not absolutely positive 
that your sins are forgiven. The most important need that you have right now is to trust Christ and him alone as your Savior. You need to just simply realize you're a sinner. Realize that you're on your way to hell. You're in trouble with God because you're in your sin. And by, and by the way, you know, we can't get rid of our own sin. That's an impossibility. You say, yeah, but I, I can be a good person. Okay, go ahead, be a good person. But what are you going to do about the sin? You've got to get rid of the sin. God can't let sin into his heaven. You can't get rid of it. And that's the whole reason why Jesus Christ came to this earth, left heaven, took on human flesh, and 33 and a half years later, after he was born, he died on the cross. He died for our sins. And when he died, one of the, some of the last words he, he uttered was, it is finished. What was finished? Payment for my sin. Payment for your sin. Uh, it was totally paid for. You can't add a thing to it. You can't take a thing from it. Uh, it, it was totally paid for on the cross. His death his burial, and then his resurrection uh, was, was what was necessary for us to have our sins forgiven. And Paul realized that that day and trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, after, after he got saved, then God took away his sight for three days. He learned some valuable lessons by having that sight taken away. He learned how to trust God and how to allow him to rule and reign in his life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you this, this morning for the illustration and the, 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 the historical account of the conversion of the Apostle Paul. And not only the fact that he got saved, but that afterwards you caused him to be blind for the first three days of being a Christian. And I really believe with all my heart that you are teaching him some things during those three days. Lord, those are lessons that we desperately need to learn every single day. There are no accidents in our lives. There are no happenstances. All things happen for a purpose. And we need to, to learn from those things and accept them. God, I pray there might be someone here this morning who does not know for sure that if they die today, that, they'd, that they go to heaven to be with you. They, they are still in their sins, and they need their sins forgiven. I pray that as the invitation is given and I stand up front, they might just come forward and say, listen, Pastor, I need to be saved. And we'll, we'll take someone from the congregation, and they'll take them into a room and just sit down and show them how they can know for sure before they leave this place that they can have eternal life, that their sins can be forgiven. It has nothing to do with becoming a Baptist. It has nothing to do with the, with, the, with the Baptist church. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And then, God, I pray for those of us that are saved, that you'd, you'd help us to see that uh, infirmities come into our lives for a purpose. And that just as Paul needed to learn how to trust you, you know, it, 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 it always amazes me. We trust you with the most important thing we've got. We trust you with our eternal soul. And then we, then we falter and we tremble at trusting you with our day-to-day -day lives. And that's really nothing compared 
to, to what you did when you saved us and gave us eternal life. So God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts this morning. God, there, there may be someone here that's, that's saved that, that just simply needs to, to uh, learn to trust you, that, uh, that needs to give an area of their life to you. Maybe there's been something that's been taken away. Maybe there is something, Lord, that uh, uh, maybe there's, they, they need to learn to, to depend upon other things that you've provided for in their lives. Maybe they just need to be humble before you this morning. Uh, blindness humbled Paul. Uh, God, I pray that you'd help us to be humble before you. Lord, to have your will, have your way in, in this invitation as you speak to hearts, may we say yes to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand together. Let's do this. Stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and softly the